my delight is some couples I have who say we're getting married or we just got married. And you know what? We really want to make sure we're starting off right. And it is such a pleasure to meet people who say we want to take care of our health, whether it's our relationship or physical health, from the outset to make sure that we are strong and healthy for as long as possible. Welcome to Looking Forward where we speak with experts about marketplace and societal trends, and most importantly, how they might affect you. I'm Jeff Ostroff, the host of Looking Forward. If you're like me, you're fascinated by trends in the future. In fact, several years ago, that was one of the things I focused on in a book I wrote. Hi, everybody. On this episode of Looking Forward, we're going to talk about relationships more specifically about couples and their communications. Our guest is Dr. Sarah Rattray, who heads up the Couples Communication Institute. Dr. Rattray is a PhD couple psychologist. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for joining us today on Looking Forward. Hi, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate you being with us all the way over on the West Coast. I'm on the yes. East Coast, as you know. Yes. Dr. Rattray, if you wouldn't mind telling us just a little bit about when and why you became interested in couples relationships, when and why you started this business of the Couples Communication Institute, and what exactly the Couples Communication Institute does. Terrific. Well, um, I have been interested in the field of psychology since college. Um, I was interested in the two different facets. One of um, how do people like each other and how do people get along with each other? And the other thing that really interested me was learning about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and the top, the pinnacle of that, of that pyramid of self-actualization. And in my mind, not only was I attracted to the idea of self-actualization, but sort of couples actualization or relationship actualization. So um, I've been a psychologist for about 30 years now and I've been working with couples the whole time. And for 20 years, I've been part of the Gottman Institute. Um, I was in the first group of therapists here in Seattle that John and Julie Gottman trained um, as a small group 20 years ago. So that's been a major part of my therapy. So, um, you know, as you can imagine, in couples therapy, um, in private practice, my ability to reach and help couples is limited by the number of hours that I can be in the office. So um, two or three years ago, um, as I was really realizing the powerful impact I'd been having all these years on couples, I decided to begin working on a way to bring all the ways that I help with couples in therapy and build it into online programs that don't require a therapist. Things that couples, couples who are able to and are motivated to, where they could learn how to work on their relationships on their own and have lasting change. So that was the birth of the Couples Communication Institute. I see. Now, let's just go back for a second, Dr. Atre. I have a book that John Gottman authored. 
Uh-huh. There may be quite a few people listening to this show who don't know about John Gottman, but more specifically in our case here, they may not know about the grounding. You say you trained under the Gottman Institute and John Gottman. In a nutshell, what would that mean for the people out there who don't know anything about that? Because it directs what you're doing. Yes. Well, you know, the field of psychology is a sort of a science, but it's been based on theory for so many decades. And you have these major theorists who have these ideas, but there hasn't been scientific research on most areas of psychology. So in individual therapy, the most scientifically researched and backed framework is what's called cognitive behavioral therapy. It's been proven over and over in research studies to be effective in helping people deal with their anxiety, with their depression, things like that. So Dr. John Gottman, for um, 40 years now, or I've lost track, I'm not sure where we are on either side of 40 years, okay. he has been doing um, scientific research on couples asking the the, the the initial question asking the question what make some couples succeed and other couples fail what makes the difference between what he calls the masters and the disasters of therapy okay. so after um i think 20 years of research um his wife who julie gottman who's a therapist she said okay john it's time to help couples not just study them and so when I heard about this um, and learned what they were doing, I just knew that that's what I needed to do because their findings and the way they help people are grounded on the actual research proven differences between what makes some couples succeed and other couples not. So when you hear the word Gottman, when you see any of his books, you know that they're not just ideas that he came up with. Um, they are, they are backed by his many, many years of research with couples. That's an excellent summary. I appreciate it. And I'm sure the audience will as well. I know yes. I have seen, and I know you've seen this, Sarah, where the Gottman people have taken couples before they're even married and they put them in a hotel and they study them. And it's, it's just amazing. And they can predict with high percentages whether this relationship's going to work or not. I, I find that fascinating. I really Yes, do. and what I want to jump in and say, since no. you brought that up, is they can predict if a relationship will succeed or fail if there's no intervention. So it's not that they have a crystal ball and they can say, you can't make it. Hmm. But what they are saying is, if you guys keep going the way you're going, and you don't try to make any changes and you're not motivated to change, you either will make it or you won't make it, odds are. So that's really important because I'm not sure I've ever met a couple who I could say, I know better than you and you can't make it. When I've seen a couple that I've thought, oh, these people have some serious problems, but they say we are motivated. We wanna make this work. That's where the difference lies. Wow. I am going to come back to that because I've already noted that point about motivated. <laughs> you yes. mentioned that a couple of yes. times. But, yes. but let's move into talking about this, Sarah, only from the perspective of your work. And you've got 30 years of it here plus, yes. which yes. is very impressive. 
We're not Thanks. speaking to a novice here, not to mention the Gottman training. In your practice, in your doing this, have you seen personally an increased interest in this sort of couples communication dynamic as a way to prevent marital problems or address them? Or is it pretty much been the same for you? Or is it skyrocketing? Is it the same? What have you been seeing in your career in doing this? I would say, um, and maybe it's uh, due to the Gottman's um, high public profile. They've been on so many television shows, news shows, magazines, newspaper articles. What I think I've seen in the course of 30 years is couples therapy probably did used to be a last refuge. And perhaps, I don't know if I want to call it a punishment, but really, if you went to couples therapy, it meant you were desperate. And with probably the work of the Gottmans and a few other very prominent therapists, especially authors, people have really come to see that, oh, we could get better. We could get some help to have a better relationship. We could get set up with the tools that we need to have a better relationship. Why don't we go get some help when we first have an inkling that we could use some help? Or even my delight is some couples I have who say we're getting married or we just got married. And you know what? We really want to make sure we're starting off right. And it is such a pleasure to meet people who say, we want to take care of our health, whether it's our relationship or physical health, from the outset to make sure that we are strong and healthy for as long as possible. So that has changed. I don't think that in the beginning of my career, I saw people who just wanted to come in to get you know, as good as they could get. So that has been a trend. And I uh, very much hope and expect that that trend will continue. Okay, we may talk about that again later too. Thank you. Yes. That was an interesting observation. And something that I'm taking away from what you're saying, Sarah, is that this whole business of couples communication has at least two components to it now. It's got a potential preventive component, such as this couple in the early stages of marriage, and perhaps some before they get married, which you may talk about, are seeking this sort of guidance. And then those therapeutically who are noticing some challenges are also looking to it. So it's kind of two-pronged. It can be preventive, yeah. but it can also be therapeutic. Yeah. Okay. If you would speak to the issue of when do you think a couple should seriously consider getting involved in a couple's communication program such as your own? Do they have to be married, Sarah? I guess you could say anybody. <laughs> How would you draw the line, maybe, if you would, on when people should start looking for Dr. Sarah Radtrick? Well, first of all, no, you definitely don't need to be married. Um, I would say two people in a relationship who need to be able to get along and communicate and understand each other. So in my private practice, I have worked with non-romantic partners, such as I've worked with siblings. A couple times I've worked with, and probably more than a couple times, I've worked with coworkers or more especially like business partners. Excellent. I have worked with um, parents and their adult children. So 
to get along and be close with the people who are important to you. The way I see communication as the central issue, whether you want to communicate about what activities we do or, you know, I, I don't necessarily spend time thinking about love languages. Even if your love language is not necessarily words, you still have to communicate that with words. So, you know, if I want to let somebody know that I really value when you help me out, um, I have to tell them that in words. So who should be open to improving their communication, any two people who want to communicate well with each other. And as we were just alluding to, you could do that at the outset of any, any sort of relationship or certainly, here, and here's one of the central things that I help people with, Jeff, is certainly when you have that gut feeling, this doesn't feel right, don't wait. So awareness is one of the most important skills that you can hone inside your own self. So what is the difference in the way you feel in your gut feeling when you and the, uh, your, uh, your loved one, your partner, whoever you want to call it, when you and your partner are just doing fine and things feel good and are comfortable, and what do you notice? What are you aware of? How does it feel when things are not fine anymore? Uh, don't pretend to yourself, oh, it is fine. It'll pass. Um, this is nothing. Uh, you know, it's not worth it. I don't need to pay attention. Pay attention. So if you listen to your gut, you know, this doesn't feel good. Either we're fighting or we're at odds or we always are misunderstanding each other or we, you know, we just, whatever it is. Do yourselves a service and take some time to learn how to communicate better. Excellent. I want to say that what you're saying, which is great, it's broadening my perspective of what you do. Uh-huh. Because couples communication, I'm thinking romantic. Uh-huh. And I'm hearing you say, no, we do more than romantic. And clearly, like you mentioned, sibling relationships. Oh my God, I know of so many problematic sibling relationships. So that is wonderful to know that it's a much broader group of people than I had imagined. I also think in terms of a conversation I had with one of my daughters the other day, in yeah. which we both agreed, and you will nod your head on this one, this is nothing profound, that the people that you care about the most, who matter the most to you, are the hardest to get along with. The other relationships you can walk away from, but somebody that you really care about that means a lot to you, that's tough. Well, not only are the people you care about the hardest to get along with, but you probably treat the people you care about the least well. <laughs> That's right. um, not necessarily you, Jeff, but yeah, I know. most I know. of us, we <laughs> somehow have the feeling that when I come home, I get to relax, meaning I get to not bring my best anymore. I get to not care anymore, not pay attention anymore. Whereas the people we love the best, we want to give our very best. We want to really take the most care. We want to cherish them. That's an excellent point and one that I hadn't thought about. Thank you. Let's get back to something you've said a couple of times, Sarah, which I think is just so critically important. A lot of people could benefit from couples communication and the kind of programs and support that you would provide. But some people may not avail themselves of those programs, even if they know about them, because maybe one of the two 
or perhaps both of the two are not motivated. Can you please talk about the importance of motivation in this sort of dynamic? Yes. So one thing you asked, do people have to be a couple, a romantic partnership? There is a heightened kind of, I don't know about heightened, but there's a deeper level of motivation between um, a romantic partnership than between two co-workers, for example, probably. But you know, if we are in a romantic partnership, I'm motivated by many things. Perhaps I'm motivated to set a good example for our children, or perhaps I'm motivated by the vision I've always held of retiring with you, um, sitting in our rocking chairs on our porch, or perhaps I'm motivated by not wanting to be the couple who our relatives talk about as the cranky people who are always bickering, like some combination of those things. Now, I'm going to tell you why motivation is so important by by, um, talking about something else for a moment. Okay. One of the things that trips us up the most when it comes to communication with other people is um, our need to survive and the fight or flight mechanism that's built into every animal, every mammal, every person. So if I feel threatened in some way, my brain recognizes the threat absolutely instantaneously and shifts my body into the fight or flight state, which is also Uh, what's called the sympathetic dominant state within our autonomic nervous system. And a whole cascade of events are set off automatically and immediately in my body to protect me. So, you know, if I was faced with a saber-toothed tiger, I'm going to instantly reach for my strongest weapon and throw it with all my might, or I will run away as fast as I possibly can. And I don't take any time whatsoever to think about this. There's no thought involved, like conscious planning thought. It's an instantaneous assessment of what do I need to do this moment in order to survive? And I can't get myself out of that state very easily because this is built into my body, my brain, my hormones in such a way to keep me alive in the moment. So free will is kind of removed from it. So when you have some tension with your partner when you're set off, when fight or flight is starting to be triggered, you're feeling irritable or annoyed. How do you realize that fight or flight has taken over and it might not be a good idea to keep talking right now? How do you shut your mouth and walk away? Now, let's go back to the saber-toothed tiger. If I was faced by a saber-toothed tiger and I said to myself, Hmm, I don't feel like fighting. I think I'm going to turn around and walk away and so I can calm down and relax. What will happen to me, Jeff, if I calmly turn around and walk away from a saber-toothed tiger? You might be dead meat. I might be dead meat instantly. So when you are with your partner and you're starting to have a fight, you don't want to walk away and calm down because your brain is saying, you'll be dead meat. You're going to be dead meat. So we need something powerful enough to override this primitive instinct in our brain that's screaming, go for the jugular, 
So getting in touch with the strength of our motivation to take, you know, to take care of each other or stay together or have a healthy relationship. I need something strong and powerful and positive to tell the primitive brain, no, don't hurl that insult. Don't call that nasty name. Walk away calm down, take a break, don't get the last word, don't make your point, you know, just be quiet. I need my, my big picture awareness of my motivation to overcome and override that instinct so I can go away, calm down, relax, and then come back and say, honey, let's start again. Now that's interesting. So we've got a motivation to want to get this sort of help but then we have, once we are motivated enough to get the help, we have to have strong enough motivation to be able to follow through on the things that you're teaching people. Is that correct? There's, 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 yes, there's following through and the motivation to get the help. It's the same thing because a lot of people say, oh, I don't want to go get help because that's embarrassing or that's humiliating or that's expensive, all of these things, you need the motivation to override those, those first impulses to say, I don't want to, and to have the motivation to say, yes, but I wanna grow old, you know, and hold hands and, and rock our chairs on our porch <laughs> together, so I guess I will go get help and follow through. And follow through. That's great information, great insight. I wanna jump to the moment at hand, which we're all grappling with, Yes. The COVID-19 pandemic. And I'm curious if you could share with everyone two areas of interest for me, at least, and I think for them. How in any way is the pandemic affecting what you do, Dr. Atre, and how might it be affecting either the demand for or the need that couples, however they're defined here, have for the kinds of great services that you would offer? Yes. Well, I live, um, as you said, I'm in Seattle, which is in King County. And as you may recall, we had the very first beginnings of this COVID thing with all of the deaths in the nursing homes and then the rippling out from there. And our governor closed down our state. Um, I don't remember who was first, if it was California or Seattle, but we were closed down very, very quickly. Yes. So um, I think I saw a couple of couples for one or two sessions before we all understood, you, you know, we were fully closed down or whatever. But my county, I'm not yet back opened up for that kind of service. And when I am, we'll have to do all of the protection. And I'm not sure what I'll be doing about face-to-face -face private practice because wow. my office is not very big and my sessions are uh, an hour and 40 minutes each. So three wow. of us breathing the same air in an enclosed space for almost two hours is not a good recipe for health. The impact on relationships, I think, is really profound. You know, whether you are a couple who's suddenly at home together 24 hours a day when you didn't used to be, or whether you're a couple who one or both of you are suddenly not at home because you're in the trenches, um, you need to be able to calmly talk through one specific thing at a time. What is it that you need? 
what is it you are uncomfortable with? So, you know, just for example, to say, I, how do you say to your, to your partner or maybe your adult child who's sheltering at home with you, I need private time. How do you have a conversation as simple as I need private time? How do you set that up? How do you listen to each other? How do you reach understanding of each other so you can see what it's like as if you were in their shoes? As I said before, talking about fight or flight, you want to learn how to have conversations with each other where you don't set off that fight or flight impulse in each other. So if you had some kind of equilibrium with your partner or roommate or loved ones before, it's probably been all tumbled around and you are trying to find ways to reach a new equilibrium and communication is so important. People cannot read minds um, and people don't know what the other person needs or wants or feels without really having a very clear, calm and, and specific talk about each thing. Yeah what you bring out there is just, it's undeniable. I mean, we've got more people living together now because of this stuck at home, working maybe, maybe not working, and they do have to deal with one another more than they might normally have to deal with one another. On the other hand, sort of conversely, I've heard of people, heard this from my doctor yesterday, patients whose lab results are getting much worse because their entire social life revolved around where they were now they're home and they don't have any friends. So yes. it's, that's a whole other thing that we won't get into here, but good points that you've made. I just want to ask you a few last things. They're not insignificant. One is if you had your way, and you might contrast this with if you don't have your way, how do you envision things will change once we get beyond COVID-19, whenever that is, and we move you know, up next five years or whatever, Talk a little bit about your thoughts about that, Sarah. You know, I, I want to bring in not only COVID, but Black Lives Matter. And the Black Lives Matter movement is about an entire group of people who have not been listened to. They have not been treated with importance. So the people in power, the people in government have not been listening to what Black people have been trying to tell them for decades and hundreds of years. The same thing with Native Americans. They are not, have not been listened to. And the need to sit down and listen and understand what it's like from someone else's perspective is exploding onto our consciousnesses for most people. Mm. So whether this is nationwide, you know, cultural or right there within your household, when you don't listen to someone else, when you think I know better than you do, or I don't need to hear you, or what you are saying has no merit, the pressure it starts building and building until it's going to explode, whether that is culturally or right there at home. So I am so hopeful that everyone will begin to, to viscerally experience the transformative power of listening to each other, taking each other seriously, of finally saying, oh, 
how about if I stop talking so I can listen to what you're trying to tell me and I'm going to listen hard enough and ask enough questions until I can see what it's like through your eyes. So I am hopeful, I'm not predicting, but I am hopeful that we are on a path of finally the openness, the willingness, the awareness that so much positive transformation can happen when we listen to each other. Well, I only hope that you're right, Sarah Rattray. Let me also say I found the analogy that you gave fascinating because you talked about the macro about what's happening in our society yeah. and listening issues. And you then brought it down to the micro, which is in the, let's say the household, doesn't have to be the household, it could be the work. Yeah. And the dynamic there. I thought that was fascinating. I really do. Now, this question that I'm going to ask you is one you could speak about for five hours. Okay. <laughs> but we don't have five hours. We only have a few okay. minutes. But it's something that I hear about all the time. Either I thought about it personally, not now, but in the past. I hear it from my daughters who are dating. You hear it all the time. And I wonder what your words of wisdom would be. And here it is. How do I know, or how do we know as a couple, I'm talking here about a romantic relationship. All right. How do we know, Dr. Atray, when it's just not going to work? You know, I've been trying to make this work. I hear people say, I'm going to give it another chance, et cetera, et cetera. And this could go on months, years, you know. And for you, what would you counsel those individuals in terms of how do you know when to say square peg, round hole, not going to work? Yeah. Well, you know, we'll go back to that word of motivation. Um, are you actually motivated to change? Are you motivated to change yourself? Are you motivated to follow through and try things, try the smallest little steps? You know, I've often taught couples, you know, let's just pretend, you know, 10 steps to doing something. And the first five steps look very trivial and boring. And so they skip them. Well, let's just start at number six. We don't need to do one to five. Really? Like, there's a reason to do all the little steps, each one is valuable and important. And are you going to be motivated to treat your partner with the level of importance that's required to do everything? Also, you know, have you actually gotten help? Do you, have you either tried therapy or like read a quality book start to finish and then used the suggestions in there? or not. So a lot of people who say, you know, oh, maybe this isn't working. Are you working at it? Now, Jeff, there are so many things that each of us devote an incredible amount of energy to, whether it was me getting my PhD, that's four years of college, four years of graduate school, studying for the licensing exam, everything I've done since then, or whether it is somebody who loves video games and doesn't want to keep dropping out at the third level. They want to make it to the 10th level. So they try over and over and they practice and they rehearse or whether it's someone who plays golf and they get some lessons and they, they don't just play golf. They, they practice and they practice with the different clubs and the different swings. And, you know, that's what a good relationship takes. So as I said earlier, if you are truly motivated, 
so much is possible. If you are willing to change what you do, if you're willing to say, wow, maybe I need to behave differently, let me give that a try. Now, there are a few things that are irreconcilable. For example, if I want a child and my partner does not want a child and we have explored every possible iteration, can we adopt, can we be aunts and uncles, can we foster, you know, and we cannot come to an agreement, that is so huge and profound and enormous that maybe we can't make it. So I guess, I guess I, what I'm saying to, in answer to your question is, how do I know it won't work between the two of us is if one or both of us won't work. Yeah, so if, if, if you say, yeah, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to try that. I'm not going to risk that. I'm not going to take responsibility. Well, guess what? It's not going to work. Yeah, that's pretty plain and simple. And again, we come back to what you said before about motivation. Yeah. Motivation is so critical. Yeah. This has been wonderful. Your insights are great. And as you point out, it wasn't something that you obtained in a week, a month, or a year. <laughs> you spent all those years at, at school and all these years 30 plus in doing this and that yes. makes that helps to not only make you good at what you do but refine it and improve yes i love that jeff and that's what you can do in your relationship you can study you can practice you can learn and then you can refine it like that would be a labor of love that how what a wonderful way to get closer and closer with your partner sure and it should be sarah last thing i would want to ask you is how can our listeners reach you if they want to learn more about Dr. Sarah Rattray, the Couples Communication Institute, and some of the great relationship tools that you have? And you mentioned, I know, about online stuff. So would you please tell us about all this? Yeah. So my website, couplescommunicationinstitute.com. If you go there, you will, what, what I'd like to uh, offer is there's a quiz right there on my homepage. It's a quiz about your communication. If you take the quiz, you'll get results and then you'll get access to a free gift. I think, Jeff, that you may have already seen that and been using it. It, it is terrific. I've tried it and used it with my girlfriend and it, it's great, which is how I actually got in touch with you. I thought it was terrific. Thank you. Thank you. So, so that's right there. And I will say that Couples Communication Institute is something I've been working on slowly for the last couple of years. And with the temporary suspension of my private practice, I have been devoting a lot of time to that. So many courses are going to be coming out and then my flagship program, my uh, eight-week-long relationship mastery program will be coming up. Couples Communication Institute, please take the quiz and pay attention to the results. There are some suggestions for steps you can take with your partner and the guide that you can use. Well, thanks, Sarah. What's phenomenal to me about this, and of course, it's technology that has made this possible, is somebody theoretically can be listening to this discussion, this conversation we're having in Poland. <laughs> and they can still, you know, it's not like they have to be in King County, right? Yes. That's one of right. the beauties of this is you click on a link or whatever it is, you find out about Dr. Rattray and you see what the programs are and you take it from there. No matter where you are, you have to have access to the internet but beyond that, that's what's so wonderful about this 
technology in the global world yes. that we live in. Yes. Well, I really want to let you know this has been a wonderful discussion. And I'm so glad that you were able to come on. And I hope that a lot of people will benefit from it. And I suspect they will. And that you hear from quite a few people as well. Terrific. Well, thanks for having me on, Jeff. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Looking Forward. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something. I also hope that you'll tell others about our show. If you have any comments or ideas for future episodes, please contact me at my website, jeff-ostroff.com. That's J-E-F-F-Ostroff, O-S-T-R-O-F-F.com. This is Jeff Ostroff inviting you to join us again next time on Looking Forward.